You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 55. Hey guys, did you think that was Liesl? Nope. (laughs) This is Jenna, Liesl's sister. As many of you guys know, Liesl was on her deathbed last week pretty much. She got mastitis last weekend and then ended up in the emergency room for pneumonia on Wednesday. It was pretty crazy, but she's doing a lot better. She's taking it easy this week, which is why I'm doing her intro. So if you haven't listened to Tiffany's first birth story, which was released last week, I highly recommend giving it a listen before listening to this one. I won't give too much away, but her second birth story was very, very, very different from her first. She talks about the differences she experienced, like how she found out the gender for her second, or how she had an unmedicated birth this time around. It was a really great episode. So let's dive into Tiffany's second birth story with her son, Callan. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Okay, guys, we're going to jump right back where we left off last episode. Tiffany had just talked to us about going back to work, and right after she went back to work, something super significant happened, and I'll let Liesl and Tiffany take it from here. Well, Tiffany, I want to jump forward a month or two months uh, and tell everybody what happened. Yeah. That was very significant. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like three and a half months postpartum, um, and feeling pretty good actually, like had a couple of weeks where I was feeling like so much better about myself and like got back to work and feeling great. Um, I wasn't on birth control. We were using condoms though. And guess what? (laughs) Not every time. (laughs) Yeah, clearly not. Cause I got pregnant, um, in the end of August. I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Um, and how did you feel that then? How did you feel taking that test versus taking the one with? Oh, completely, uh, completely 180 degree difference. Yeah. Uh, I was mad. I was pissed off. Like I did not want to have a baby at that time. Um, I wanted to have an abortion, honestly, like, I remember you telling me that too. Yeah. I knew that that, I knew that I never would. Um, I knew that I couldn't do that because of me, but you know, Ben told me like, you know, that this doesn't have to be, we don't have to have this baby if you can, if you don't think that you can. Um, but I wanted to, and I was mad. Yeah. I was really, really mad. I cried and cried and cried. Um, Ben was super, super supportive, but yeah, I was upset. Uh, and I was in denial for probably like eight weeks. I didn't tell anybody. Like I didn't even tell you. You didn't know until I went to my first appointment. Um, I think I told Claire. Claire knew. I told her because she was at work the next day. And I just, I had to tell somebody. And I I needed to tell somebody to make it real. Like it wasn't real just telling Ben. So I told her. And then I didn't tell anybody else um, until I went to the first appointment. 
And, and that helped going to the first appointment because I saw the baby's heart beating and was like, okay, this is real. Like you just got to take it in. Um, yeah, I still wasn't overly happy. I mean, it took, it took me a lot of time to feel okay with it. I mean, keep in mind, I had a four month old, like Mm -hmm. I had struggled with postpartum depression, like like just starting to like feel feel better. Yeah. And then it, then this hit. Um, so yeah, it was really, really hard. Um, my due date was May 3rd. Mm -hmm. And so my first one was born April 18th, Mm um, or 19th. Gosh, I can't even remember. (laughs) It's 18th. Yeah. (laughs) April 18th, 2019. Um, so yeah, they were going to be like a year apart and I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I talked to my therapist about it. I was still seeing her and she encouraged me to tell people and tell my family, my sister and I are really, really close in age. We are actually only have a 10 and a half month difference. So, uh, when I finally told my family, (laughs) she did. Yeah. So that's what my therapist encouraged me to do. She's like, you got to tell your parents because your mom understands what it feels like to be in in this situation. I think that once you tell them, you're going to feel a lot better. So I did. And I felt so much better. Um, and I started to tell people, but I was really embarrassed, um, which is weird, but I was embarrassed, like that I was going to hear like, Oh, do you even like know what birth control is? Do you know, like, you know, yeah. No, I can under, I can, I can see that. that yeah. Like I'm a professional woman and like, I, yeah. you know, I, you know, I'm smart. And like, I made, I felt like this made me feel like not smart. And yeah. even though it's not, we're not saying that people get pregnant quickly are, are not. I know it's people. really stupid. Yeah. Like these are very irrational thoughts. It was just my thoughts. I was embarrassed yeah. by this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I started telling people and it helped telling people um, you know, I mentioned that we didn't find out the gender with our first one. So then it came up, do we find out the gender with this one? And Ben was pretty like, he only, he only ever wanted to have two kids. And I was pretty sure that like, yeah, two kids would be enough, but, um, wasn't like as sure as him, but I had a feeling that this would probably be the last kid that I have. And, you know, I I was very worried about gender disappointment, to be honest. Uh, We already had a boy. I really was hoping for a girl. Mm -hmm. I knew that this was probably the last time that I was going to ever get this opportunity to be pregnant again. So we talked about whether to find the gender out. My husband did not want to find the gender out. And I, I didn't know. Uh, I kind of wanted to, I kind of didn't. Ultimately we decided to find out mostly because I was worried about gender disappointment and I was very concerned that my first thought when my baby was born, if he was a boy was disappointment. Uh, And I didn't think that that was fair to him. Like I, because let's be clear, it, it was a him. I had another boy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't think that was fair. And here his mom was already upset and completely crying and whatnot over when I found out about him. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I didn't want that to be his first moment and his first breath of life. So I said, let's find out. So we went to the ultrasound and we found out right then and there, she showed me his little wiener and (laughs) um, I started crying. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, happy at that moment. I hate to say that, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I started grieving again. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to have a daughter. I'm not going to know what it's like to raise a girl. Um, and then I started like spiraling for a couple weeks after that and was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have another kid after this. Right, Ben. Um, 
And I can recognize that now is like, that was just my anxiety and, and grief and whatnot coming out. Um, and anyways, you know, he was a boy and I'm glad that I found out looking back. Um, it was actually really cool to have kind of the difference in pregnancies of not knowing to knowing because I was able to like bond with him more. I mean, I knew yeah. what he was a boy and me. So I was able to actually decorate his room and like get his clothes ready and like do really purposeful things that made me feel more connected to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, you know, with the second pregnancy, it was very uncomplicated as well. Um, like no issues there is a little bit higher risk of like preterm labor and delivery when you have a super close interval pregnancy, which 12 months is a close interval pregnancy. (laughs) Pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like I said, my mom had a close interval pregnancy and she didn't have any issues. So, so yeah, I had no issues. Um, And we like led up to his birth and I decided to get electively induced. Mm -hmm. COVID happened you know, started right around this time. So I was due with him May 3rd. Um, Obviously COVID was like early March, uh, middle of March. I decided at this time to actually take work off early. I left work um, like five weeks before my due date. You know, we didn't know what COVID was, what was Mm -hmm. happening with it. And I just was like, this isn't going to happen. Like, I'm going to just stay out of work. We're going to keep Wyatt home from the daycare and from the nanny. And I spent those five or six weeks, like being a stay at home mom, which is something I thought I never wanted to do, but it was actually really, really great. Like I loved that time with Wyatt. He finally got to a point around nine months where he was like a good baby, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was like sleeping better. Um, he didn't, I transitioned him to one nap around nine months because he was just always a terrible napper. And that's when he finally started to stretch his naps. So he started sleeping for like a one, two hour nap a day. And that was just like the most amazing thing to me ever. I could actually take a nap if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. um, working 12 hour shifts is insanely exhausting. This was about the time when I realized that I, that like how exhausting a 12 hour shift is, um, because I wasn't like exhausted all the time and tired. And I didn't even like need to take naps as frequently as I was before and whatnot. Um, because I was going to bed at a normal time and like waking up at a normal time. So yeah, it was really, really great. And I'm so, so thankful that I had that time with him. Um, so yeah, I decided to get electively induced for a lot of reasons. One COVID, I wanted to make sure that we had a childcare set up for Wyatt Two, um, I just, I felt like so much of what this pregnancy was, was like out of my control. And I just needed to have this like control around it. Um, I can recognize now too, that I pretty much had anxiety throughout the whole entire pregnancy. It wasn't like crazy, but I like being postpartum for the last six months and knowing how I feel now. And Liesl, you can attest to this too. I can recognize that I still had anxiety during those months. I still didn't really like love being alone with Wyatt. If I didn't have to be, you know, Ben would go golf on the weekends and I still would like rather have him home with me, uh, to help, you know, I just, I just, I don't know. There's just something there. I just didn't, it it just wasn't like how it is now. You weren't full. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I got electively induced, um, and was able to once again pick the nurse who was Jen Myers, who took care of me. 
Yeah. Yeah. For the first one, um, she wasn't who delivered Wyatt, but she was with me for the first kind of half of it. Um, so she was my nurse. And then Liesl, you switched your shift that day so that you could I know, be I was there. trying to think if I was working. I, I, I no, was you working, switched. I yeah. yeah Which, I with Cassidy. So thank you, Cassidy. You get a shout yeah, out. <laughs> um, yeah, you switched with her so that you could be there. And we were just, I don't know, hoping that like all the stars would align that like you wouldn't have a patient and you could yeah. take pictures. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I went in. Um, it was a Tuesday, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a Tuesday. Um, and I was leading up to that, like two centimeters dilated, I think. And it's funny looking back on like prep for Wyatt compared to prep for Callan. Mm -hmm. I was like doing all the things with Wyatt, like, okay, I was drinking raspberry tea and eating the dates and having sex and reflexology. And with Callan, I did none of it because (laughs) I did not want him to come early. I wanted him to come exactly on April 28th, the day that I had my induction. Mm-hmm. Um, because of COVID, I was worried that if like, it didn't happen on that day that like, you wouldn't be able to get up there to take pictures. And I mean, just all this stuff. So I did nothing. Like I literally just like laid on the couch, like a slug for two weeks straight. <laughs> and, and like, just was like, we're not doing anything. Don't, Don't touch, touch me, me Ben, yeah. get away from me. Like yeah. stay off. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I made it and I was so excited that I made it to that April 28th day. I got to ask on the podcast because I think I remember asking you this the day before texting you about it, but I was like, Tiffany, I guess, I guess, you know, you haven't, you haven't had sex in like two weeks, but I mean, it's your induction morning. I guess you can get up early and have sex. Did you do it? No, Okay. (laughs) but I do remember you said that you said it even the night before you were like, you could probably do it tonight. And I was like, no, 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 no. My water breaks. Yeah. Like what if my water breaks? What if something happens? Like I need, maybe if I got up at like 5am, then yeah, we could do it then. But no, I like to sleep. I'm like a sleeper, um, which is why I'm not like the newborn days are especially tough for me because I like to sleep. Um, So no, we did not. Okay. It's okay though. Ben was fine. He was fine. Um, he, he would probably tell you something different if he was here right now, but yeah, we got up that morning. We went and got breakfast for the girls that we work with. Um, they decorated my room. It was just really, really nice. And I know, you know, a lot of people don't, I don't know. I think a lot of people like poo poo on inductions, um, elective inductions. Yeah. 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 But like, it doesn't have to be this bad thing. Like it was this really, really great day for me, honestly. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like, I look back on this day and it's the most amazing day of my whole entire life, which we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, I got up there as GBS positive. So, um, which I was with Wyatt too. So I knew I needed penicillin, which was fine with me um, at the hospital. I, our hospital, it's kind of like a two to four hour waiting period. It just kind of depends on the provider and their comfort level. Um, all I knew going into that day was I wanted to have a fast delivery. Like I just wanted it to be speedy. My goal is to have a baby in my arms by, uh, dinner time. So like 5 PM. Um, isn't that okay. Let's just hold for a second. Isn't that funny that you have that expectation Um, even with your second birth, but like, that is something that we do not tell, we say, no, 
No, do not expect anything fast. It doesn't matter if it's your yeah. second <laughs> one or your third one. Don't expect it to go fast. Yeah. No, but, but like, course, it's totally you know, different. It's totally yeah. different when it's me. It's my own. Yeah, sure. I, I did the same I can thing think with that. my second one. <laughs> I recognize it is very, very hypocritical. Yeah, I'm very, very aware of that. So. Yeah. But no, I set these crazy high expectations of myself while I tell my patients, like, don't set expectations, go into it with an open mind, yeah. relax. Mm-mm. I'm not yeah. that type. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what I wanted. Uh, yeah. So we, when I got there, um, the doctor that was on that day, Dr. Foster, she checked my cervix and I was three centimeters dilated. And she was like, you know what, you're three centimeters. I really don't think you need a Foley balloon, um, which was fine with me. Uh, Foley balloons, are, in my opinion, are super, super effective. So I was totally down if they, if she wanted to put one in. I knew it wouldn't be in for very long and it would probably get me like to four to five centimeters super, super yeah. fast. Um, but she's like, no, I don't think you need it. And, you know, once again, we there's a lot of perks of being a labor and delivery nurse and like having your baby, especially having your baby in the hospital where you work. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was... Like I could have been like, no, put a Foley balloon in me. And she would have. Um, yeah. yeah. But I was like, nope, it's fine. So she just got Pitocin started. We got my penicillin started. That was like the first thing that I needed. I was like, get my penicillin in like as soon as I put my toe into the door of the hospital, <laughs> because I knew that that was kind of the clock for me. And I didn't want them to break my water until the penicillin was in for two yeah. hours. Um, just cause I know, you know, your water breaks when you're, with your second baby, it can go relatively quick after that. So we got pit started, um, at like eight penicillin in around that time. And then, yeah, she came back around 10 or 10 30 and she was like, do you want me to break your water? And I was feeling pretty good at that point, like feeling some contractions, a little painful, but like nothing crazy. I was, Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time on the birthing ball. Um, and she was like, do you want me to break your water? Do you want to get an epidural first? And I was like, I don't know. Honestly, up to this point, Liesl was probably the only person that really knew this, but I wasn't sure if I was going to get an epidural or not. Um, Even Ben Ben didn't know, right? He had no idea. (laughs) Um, Thank God he had no idea. (laughs) So yeah, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And still still in my head, I'm like, do I want an epidural? I'm not really sure. Um, I had always had this really, I don't know. I always wanted to have a delivery without an epidural. It's like fascination um, almost. Yes. Especially yeah. as a labor and delivery nurse, even more fascination. I watch these women do it. And then especially with you, Lisa, like yeah. you're my closest friend who's had a non-epidural birth. And like, I know what your experience was like. I mean, horrible. Like it's hurt yeah. so bad, but you also, <laughs> but it, it also so is not fulfilled. like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I really wanted to feel what that was like. Um, but I wasn't sure if I could do it. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things is like women doubt whether they're able and capable and whether they're strong enough to do that. I think I knew in my head I was strong enough, but I just, it's different when you're in the moment. Um, so yeah, I told her, I was like, no, break my water. I was four centimeters at that point. Um, and she broke my water and once again, tons and tons and tons of fluid, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, both my babies just had like so much fluid. Um, (laughs) So tons of fluid and I don't know that. So yeah, I was probably like 10 30 or 11 in the morning and it was like noon, I would say. And contractions are feeling worse, but like still not bad. I was still really surprised like that they weren't that bad. And I had Jen check me and I was six centimeters and she was like, what do you want to do? Like, 
as labor and delivery nurses, we know transition usually happens kind of around this time at six centimeters is when you kick into more like active labor and things start transitioning to more active. And I knew at six centimeters, things were going to start ramping up. And I was like, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to get an epidural, hang my bolus for my epidural. And she did. Uh, and you know, even at this time, I probably wasn't like, I'm 100% going to get it, but I knew that I was, the window was closing in. Um, so I was like, just hang the bolus for it and then I can decide. So she did. And it was like halfway through and I looked at her and I was like, stop it, stop (laughs) the bolus. And she was like, okay. And Ben was like, excuse me, what? I was like, I was like, she's going to just stop it. I was like, so calm. I was like, she's stopping the bolus. And he was like, Tiffany, you know what that means? And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. I know what that means. And he was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? And I was like, Ben, I know what I'm doing. And he was like, you know that if Back you stop off, it, ben. you're not going to get it. You're not going to get your epidural. And I said, I know, I know. Like that was the moment that I knew yeah. Yeah. Um, that I was going to do this. And yeah it like gives me chills thinking about I that know. moment still. I, I have um, chills now. Yeah. Yeah. Because what is about to happen was the most amazing experience of my whole entire life. Um, and I'm so glad that I told her to stop the bolus. I know. Um, so she stopped it and yeah, it was six centimeters and probably like within an hour, it's like one o'clock maybe um, within an hour like it got real, like, whoa, it got real. Um, Jen went to go eat. Liesl at this point, like all the stars aligned this day. I mean, really, truly, you had a patient that delivered early in the morning and you turned her over, um, did her two hour recovery and turned her over. Yeah. I was and like totally free. The rest you're of the totally day. free. And you never got another patient until like later on, like, af- yeah. I think like until after I delivered, but you were totally if, free. If I even did. I don't yeah, even remember. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was yeah. like six 30 when you got another yeah. one. Um, but yeah, Jen went to go eat and you took over. You were like, all right, I'll stay with her and like watch Tiffany and watch baby and whatnot. Um, while you go eat and you texted Jennifer while you were eating while she was eating. And I remember you told me this, you were like, I think that Tiffany's transitioning because <laughs> like in the time when you were in the room with me, like it got bad. Yeah. It just changed. It changed. Yeah. Really, really yeah. fast. Yeah. I got into hands and knees. Um, cause still I was having a lot of back labor. So we talked about that earlier with Wyatt. I had a lot of back labor. I had a lot of back labor with Callan too. Um, so we got into hands and knees because like, once again, as an L and D nurse, we know that hands and knees is a position you can get into to change a baby, to try and yeah. encourage them to flip from OP to OA yeah. and hands and knees sucked. Like it was the worst, <laughs> worst, worst, worst. I hated it. I was like begging, can we please get out of this position? Which is so yeah. stupid that I'm like begging the nurse to like yeah. ask, can we get out of this position? Like I'm so ob- obedient, you know, even yeah. in my labor, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I stayed there for like 15 minutes and it was horrible. I hated it. Um, and then I got off or no, maybe I had Jen check me. I think she was back from lunch and she checked me and I was six centimeters still. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm still six. Like it's been 30 or 45 minutes of like horribleness. I, why am I still six? But 
I was completely effaced at that point, And the head was like at a zero or plus one station. So really significant change in effacement and station at that point, but dilation was still six, um, which is like a block, you know, we kind of, we've talked about this before with your own delivery and how like we're as labor and delivery nurses, I'm kind of like pro cervical checks, but they can also be a big hindrance too. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed by that, but was like, whatever, full steam ahead. It, it is what it is. So I got onto the side of the bed and was leaning over the side of the bed with contractions. And um, Liesl, you were doing counter pressure and Ben was trying to do counter pressure, but he really <laughs> sucked at it, um, which like, you got to give the guy credit. And like, I don't expect him to be good at something like that. Like he's never done it before, yeah. but yeah, he was really, really bad at it. <laughs> Um, you were trying to instruct him how to do it and like, it just wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I'm glad that he was, and it's not like he didn't help at all. It just didn't feel as good when he did it compared to when you were doing it. Um, so we did that for a little while and that helped a lot. And, um, then I got back into the bed cause I wanted her to check me. And I was like, nine, I think yeah. at this point, nine centimeters. Yeah. And this is, yeah, when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. What was I thinking? Why did I decide to do this? Like, this is such a stupid decision, Tiffany. I can't believe you didn't get the <laughs> epidural. Um, but like when, like really truly when you get to this point and you're like, why did I do this? That's how you know it's close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I knew that in the back of my head, like I'm asking for this epidural and I'm wanting it, but I, but I knew at that point, I mean, I didn't even ask for it. I just, cause I knew it was too late. Um, I didn't even ask for IV pain medication during this time. I just, I knew it wouldn't work. Um, I've, I've watched this happen way too many times. I was too close. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got back into the bed. She checked me. I was nine centimeters. Um, she had me push just a little bit to see if like that cervix would go away and it could get me to 10 centimeters, but it didn't. So yeah, the next like 15 minutes are torturous. Like I was in the bed. Um, and one of the things you talk about in your birth it up class is like the horse lips when you're like breathing Mm -hmm. out and like forcefully kind of breathing out. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that, like not even really remembering that you talked about that in your course or whatever, but like, I couldn't help myself. Like that's just how my breathing took form. And it was Mm -hmm. super, super helpful actually, like to breathe that way. Um, so I probably, Thing. Yeah, like, I probably looked I, like a fool, but yeah. it was so helpful. Yeah. Um, because really at this point, all of your other tips had gone out the window. Like yeah. I couldn't remember any of them. Thing. And like yeah. the, the horse lips were was that one. That thing? was it. Yeah, that yeah. was my thing. I used yeah. a lot of your other stuff like earlier Early on, on. Yeah. Like with the yeah. raggedy doll and trying to relax and relax your jaw. I, I used a lot of that stuff early on, but like at this really truly transitional point. The only thing that got me going was horse lips. Um, Jennifer turned me on my left side and put my right leg into one of the stirrups. And that actually helped a lot also, which is weird because I wouldn't have thought like, like that was more comfortable to have my legs slightly up um, than like my leg totally down. Mm -hmm. So I stayed that way for like 10 minutes probably. And then I could just feel like the uncontrollable urge to push. I, I could not control any of it. I was yeah. like, he, I, I, he's coming out. Yeah. I felt myself pooping. Um, and I was like, like, this is it. Like I knew that he was coming at that point. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, Jennifer checked me and I was like nine and a half centimeters. I mean, 10 centimeters. I did one little push and was 10 centimeters. And she was like, I heard her say to, I don't know if it was you or maybe one of the other nurses had come into the room at this point, but said, call Foster. You like need to get her in here immediately. Um, And Jennifer was like completely fine to deliver my baby if she needed to. I, this whole experience has taught me to like, never tell a woman not to push. Uh, I don't care if the doctor's (laughs) not around, you know, not that I'm going to be like full out, like push as hard as you can, but like a woman that doesn't have an epidural then telling her not to push it's, it's freaking impossible. Like there's nothing that I could have done to hold back him coming out of me at that point. So she was like, girl, just push, like, just do it. I'll deliver this baby if I need to. It's fine. If foster doesn't make it into the room, that's totally fine. Um, but she did. And I'm glad that she was there. And I know she was glad that she was there. She told me that afterwards. I was just going to say, she, I remember her being, her coming and being like, I'm never here for the good. Yeah. She was like super (laughs) pumped. I mean, she's the attending at the hospital that oversees all of the residents. So like the residents are the ones that get to deliver. So she, yeah, she told me, she's like, I never get to do like anything like fun anymore. I just, (laughs) I never get to do it. So she was really excited that I, you know, I was there and she got to deliver my baby. Um, But yeah, I pushed like, for, I don't know, five minutes. I mean, something crazy. It hurt, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and yeah, he came out all nine pounds, eight ounces of him came Ooh. out of me um, with, let me brag again, no perineal tear. No tears. <laughs> I, I did actually have a very small clitoral tear, um, which is upsetting, but no, actually that was fine. It didn't like hurt at all or anything, but yeah, that's the only place that I tore for nine and a half pounds. Um, and yeah, he was a boy and I felt like such a rock star afterwards. And like, so Liesl, you were taking pictures and then you also had some video going in the background and you can actually hear me saying, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. I was in shock. Like I, I truly was, I couldn't believe that I did that. I thought I could, but then actually doing it was the most amazing experience I've ever, ever had in my whole entire life. And, you know, really, truly, I like it, it, it was the perfect culmination of the last year and a half of my life from the miscarriage to having Wyatt, to the postpartum depression, to getting pregnant so quickly afterwards, like it, it, it came together in that moment for me. Um, it was That's so cool. Was very it, therapeutic. Do you think, did that hit you? Was that like a thought that you had right after you had him or was that in the next day you're kind of think, or was that over weeks you realized that like, this is how this made me feel like what, I guess, what were your thoughts right then. Yeah. So right then, like after he came out of me, I just, I had this crazy birth high. Um, I just wanted everybody in my room and I wanted to brag and like tell everybody (laughs) what I did. And like, once again, we work at the hospital where like all of my friends are there and whatnot. So like, you know, it's not like I'm just telling random people. I'm like telling my friends, you know, my good friends that this happened. So people stopped in, um, after I had him and I was just kind of reliving it. I was just so, 
like thrilled and proud of myself. And I couldn't believe that I did it. And I just wanted the whole world to know, like, I just, I really wanted to go on top of the mountaintop and just tell everybody and shout That's it from exactly my lungs. That's how I felt after I had yeah, it was amazing. It yeah. was so, so amazing. Yeah. Um, and Ben, it's funny because after that, I didn't realize oh, yeah. this. Let's talk about ben. Yeah. So he told me that he did not feel that way. Like yeah. he, I wouldn't say that he, it was like traumatic for him, but it was a lot. Like it was a lot for him to watch me in that moment. He did fantastic and he was really, really great, but it was a lot for him. And what he wanted in that moment after Callan was born was like to chill he yeah. needed, he needed a moment. I mean, he doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore, but like, I, I think he needed to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Like yeah. I wish I would have thought to like bring him a cigarette so he could just yeah. go <laughs> and like smoke or, you know, or do yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but he recognized in that moment how important it was for me to have that experience and to like tell people about what happened and like, so he put his feelings aside and his like needs aside um, for those first couple hours and just let me talk and tell people what happened and be proud of myself and like relive the moment. So that's one of the things that we did is like, I went back and we kind of like relived the day, mm -hmm. you know, and what happened and I wanted to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was pretty quickly after that. I mean, within, I mean, probably that night that I recognized what a big thing this was um, and I didn't know what like my postpartum journey was going to be like with him, but, uh, I knew that I, I think I knew that it was going to be okay and that I was going to be fine. And, you know, really looking back, um, I think like his delivery was exactly what he deserved, Yeah, like exactly what he deserved. Um, you know, just from like finding out I was pregnant and not being happy about it and being in denial and angry, mm -hmm. um, then to finding out he was a boy and crying and being upset about that. I mean, it was just a really, really emotional pregnancy and not, I know some women can't understand it. You know, you just think you're pregnant and it's this happy, happy thing. But for me, it wasn't. Um, and then COVID hit and a lot of things just got thrown for a loop, like why it was still supposed to go to daycare after the baby came and he wasn't able to do that anymore because of COVID. So there was just a lot that happened. And that day and that birth and, and what we did, like Callan and I did that together. You know, we did that together and I will forever have this special bond with him because of that day and because of our journey and our like nine month journey being pregnant together and like, yeah, not to discredit why it's birth or anything like that, yeah. but it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm so glad that I did it that way. And it was crazy too, because I was surrounded by all these women that had done it before me. Uh, you were in the room. Jen Myers had babies without epidurals, even our, our, my baby nurse that was in there, Jenna, who I, I specifically picked her. I, once again, I planned her to be there that day. She did a switch so that she would be there. Mm -hmm. She gave birth to both of her babies without epidurals. Um, so it was, and, and even Dr. Foster, she hadn't had a baby without an epidural at that point, but in September, she had a baby without an epidural, very unplanned. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. I, I need to know. tell you her. Yeah. I need to tell you about that. I didn't even know that. Okay. 
Well, yeah. Good. So yeah, it was just really interesting. Um, I went into that day not really knowing what to expect. I didn't think that I was going to like get an epidural, but I also didn't think I wasn't going to get one. Yeah. And then I was just, everything lined up and I was surrounded by all these women who had done it before. And I really don't know if I would have been able to do it if it weren't for you guys being there. I mean, you and Jennifer particularly being there because I think, I think another nurse would have given in. Like, I can't totally say that for sure, but I think another nurse that had not had a natural delivery before probably would have convinced me to just get one. And you guys, like, were super, super supportive um, of my decision. And, you know, you weren't like, forget the epidural, you can do it. But you also were like, you can do it. Like, I know you can do this. It's I mean, okay. I, no, I, I totally, I distinctly remember having the conversation with Jennifer and coming out of the room when you were, when, after she checked you and you were that six ninety and zero station, it was like the change from you were five to six kind of fully bulb thick cervix. And then she checked you again and you were six ninety and zero. So still your centimeters were somewhat the same, but like your serve, it was a, it was a big change. And I remember coming out of the room and talking to her and be like, she is, she's not going to get epidural. Like she's, she's going to do this. And she like, she's way too cool right now. She's like way too chill right now. Like, I'm like remembering what I was like at six centimeters with Walter and like, I went natural with him. And I was like, she is way too like in the zone and cool right now. Like she's just, I mean, I, and Jennifer agreed with me and yeah. And then what an hour later you had a baby or two hours later. Yeah. I mean, it it really truly was like two hours of really active labor. Uh, it was probably like 2 PM when, uh, things got bad and I had him at four Oh six. So, I mean, really very, very fast. Um, and yeah, Jennifer said the same thing. I mean, when I, when, active labor kicked in. And when that check happened that I was still six centimeters, she told Brandy, who was the nurse that was in charge that day, she was like, I really hope that Tiffany does not ask for the epidural because I know she can do this. But like, this is the time when it's tough because she knew I was really, really starting to hurt. Um, And, and then, yeah, that like, I think you came out of the room pretty quickly after that. And you're like, she's going to do it. Like she's going to do this. And I just felt this insane amount of confidence surrounding the nurses that were taking care of me and you being there. Um, And I just knew that I could do it. And I proved to myself that I could. Um, And it was amazing. I mean, very, very, very therapeutic. I truly believe his labor like cured me of my yeah. postpartum depression and anxiety like, also like healed you. He yeah. healed me. Yeah. Cured is probably not the best term for it, but healed me. He completely healed me. Um, and I'll never forget that. I mean, I'm never going to forget that day. And like, it, it really truly was the best day of my whole entire life. Um, cool. and not just because I like had a baby, but because I did this yeah. thing, I proved this thing to myself. It was just as much about delivering him as it was about me and proving something to myself. And, um, 
Yeah, it was incredible. And I can completely understand now, Liesl, like why you do what you do and why you have your mommy labor nurse and your birth it up courses and whatnot, because I truly want every single woman to feel the way that I felt after that delivery. It was the most insane feeling I've ever felt. I don't think I'm ever, ever going to feel that way again. And it makes me sad that I'm never going to probably feel that way ever, ever again. We were talking about this the other day of like, the only thing that we can think of that maybe will mimic it is like running a marathon. Um, and we both are like, we should go run a marathon just because we like (laughs) want to feel that feeling again. I mean, I remember after Walter now we have, you know, I've talked about Ryland's birth and the differences between that. And I certainly didn't have that high that I had after Walter. But yes, I remember it being a high. Like I remember talking to a coworker at work when I was coming back when he was three or four months old, whenever I went went back to work. And I was like, I've never like snorted cocaine, but I I think that's probably what it equates to getting a super high. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never done that either, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't like you feel so you're like, oh, my God, I feel so good right now. Like, I feel like such a badass. Oh, so yeah, I just I've never like I feel like the Hulk. I'm like, I can do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you just and then I felt like, yeah, yeah, I I felt like I joined this really elite club, too. And like, I can forever brag about this (laughs) Um, and that, like, I got induced and I did it, it, you know, like this. Once again, we talk about like inductions getting kind of this bad rep or whatever. And like, here I am, like, I got induced, hooked up to monitors continuously, Pitocin, you know, artificial water breaking. I mean, all the stuff. And I still did it. So you can do it. Like, clear message to all of you mamas out there. Like, it is possible. You can 100% get induced and have a unmedicated, you know, pain medication, epidural delivery. Um, it's just about like how much you want it and how you want to do it. Um, and I, you know, yeah, that's, and I was gonna say that's, did, do you feel like you birthed it up? Because that's, that's the reason why my class is called birth it up. I remember distinctly, like when I was trying to name my course, I know I remember this too, because we talked about it and And I was like, I need what to name it. I need that feeling. I was like, I need, it needs to be like either like something boss related or, you know, I was like, I need, and I was like, birth it up is like, yeah, you're going to like birth it up, man. That's totally (laughs) how I felt. Like it was, yeah, it was so amazing. Um, Yeah. And, you know, because of my postpartum depression, I still cringe a little bit when I say those words because I don't, yeah. it, you know, it's, it, there's still this stigma surrounding it, even though For there sure. shouldn't be a stigma surrounding, but I still cringe a little bit. I'm, like I said, I'm very transparent about my journey though. Anybody that asks me, I'm, I talk about it. And even people that don't ask, I talk about it, especially, you know, new, like friends that are newly pregnant or like, mm-hmm. I talk to my sister about it a lot because she was pregnant while I was pregnant. Um mm-hmm. She had a baby like six or seven months after me. She knew a lot about uh, like my journey and and what happened just because I didn't want anybody to else, you know, feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's really about just like your expectations and how you go into things. So when I found out that I was pregnant again, I just, I made sure my expectations were just a little bit lower. Like Mm -hmm. I... I knew that I was going to, I wanted to try to breastfeed, but I wasn't set on doing it and that I could switch formula if I wanted to. And I, I needed to be okay with that. Um, so that was a big thing. Like Mm -hmm. I tried to latch Callan on and he just never really took it. Um, 
he was also a big baby. So like we were, you know, he was on the hypoglycemia protocol and checking his sugars, which were always totally fine, but we still had to check sugars for like 24 hours after he was born because he was big. Um, and yeah, I, I gave formula like that night, I think, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really getting a lot of colostrum out. He wasn't really latching on super well. And the nurse that took care of me in postpartum was super great. Um, I had her for two nights in a row and she just was like, girl, whatever you want to do, like, and, and I was like, all right, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I decided pretty early on that I wasn't going to nurse him like within a couple of days. I mean, I tried and he just wasn't taking it. And I just was like, I don't want to do this. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll just pump. Yeah. I'll just pump and formula feed. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. And I was like delusional. I mean, even after the whole experience I went through, I was like, yeah, I'm going to pump. Maybe I can just pump like four times a day. Maybe I can get like 20 ounces off. And if this will be like a, uh, easier thing to do to just pump like four times a day instead Mm -hmm. of this like crazy rigid eight hour eight times a day and Mm -hmm. then I'll just supplement the rest with formula and and then yeah like I wasn't pumping out a lot like in the first pumping four times a day yeah I mean yeah I mean yeah and I just you know I know how my pumping was with Wyatt but I had all this like cluster feeding and like stimulation Mm -hmm. and whatnot so the second time around I was like oh, wow, I'm really not pumping out a lot in the first couple of days. And like when my milk came in, I didn't even know that it came in. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas with Wyatt, it was very distinct. Like I remember it coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I just wasn't getting a ton off. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pump more. Like I'm just going to pump more. I know we talked about four times a day, but like I can't, like I'm not going to pump four times a day getting one ounce off. So like, mm-hmm. let me just pump more. I'll do this for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, like I was hope, hopeful that it would just situate itself, you know, yeah. um, and level itself out. So I started pumping like crazy and like power pumping like crazy, which is so stupid. Um, and threw myself into mastitis, uh, like one week postpartum mm-hmm. because I was pumping like crazy. But then I like the next day I like drastically changed the amount that I was pumping and I would like, you know, I want, I slept for five hours one night. And I mean, it's just like really stupid. I mean, I know better. Uh, I did it this to myself, but yeah, I got mastitis and that was horrible. And that's like the cruelest thing in the world to put on a new mom or like any mom that like the Mm -hmm. fact that you can get mastitis, like it's such bull crap (laughs) um, that that's even a thing. And yeah, that happened at like one and a half weeks or something postpartum. And at that point I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to pump. I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, And Ben was really, really supportive. Um, He, he had like asked that I at least try and I wanted to try. Um, but when he saw, when, when I got mastitis and he saw how bad it was, he was like, oh my gosh, you're not doing this to yourself anymore mm-hmm. because like, I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, it was miserable for 24 hours. We had to get help over here. Like he pretty much was solely taking care of the boys until help got here. And um, I, I could barely even move out of bed. Like my left boob hurt so bad. Oh. Um, and I got started on antibiotics, but it took a couple of days for those to kick in. So yeah, it was just bad. And he was like, I can't do this alone. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can't risk you, you this happening again. And if you're not happy, let's just stop. So I did, I like kind of quickly weaned myself um, off. And so, yeah, I think that I pumped for like three weeks and then I was done. Mm-hmm. And 
You know, I still am sad about it. Honestly, he's Callan's six months old now and I still get triggered by it. Um, and I'm very aware of it. Like therapies helped me a lot to recognize my triggers and whatnot. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't care. Or I don't want like my other friends to talk about their like breastfeeding journeys or whatnot, but it's, it's not easy for me to listen to other women having like quote unquote easy breastfeeding journeys. Um, one of my good friends had a baby nine days after me and she had a really rough, you know, first experience pumping and whatnot. Um, but nursing went really, really well for her next baby. And she's had this really like great breastfeeding journey with her. And it was hard to hear about that. And then even Lisa, like when you had Ryland, it's not, there's times where it's not easy to hear about. And and I know that there's problems and difficulties and I'm, I'm surely not saying like, Oh, you guys have had like these great breastfeeding journeys. And like, this is just a walk in the park. Like I know that it's not easy, but it's still very triggering for me to hear women talk about their like breastfeeding going well. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes total sense. I, yeah. especially after you made that comment of what, like with Wyatt and taking off that pump and how much that pump like triggered those yeah. feelings. So I'm, I'm actually surprised that you even were so committed with Callan to at least even give it, give explicit yeah. pumping a try. I mean, I think it's like, it was just kind of me wanting, you know, I don't know. I, I know as a nurse that like, it's not just about mom, like a breastfeeding journey truly is like a dyad. Like it's about baby and mom. And I know very well from my experience that like, just because you had a crappy experience with one baby doesn't mean that it's gotta be that way with the next. So I really, thought like, I know that I have crappy, you know, nipples and like not great breastfeeding anatomy, but like maybe something will be different. I don't know, yeah. like maybe it'll be different. So I wanted to at least give him the opportunity to try. And then like what it turned out was he was like even worse at it than why it was like, <laughs> Callan wouldn't even latch on, you know, so I was like, well, I guess that that, that, were, that were just done. And, um, but it wasn't as hard for me this time around to like deal with that. I mean, I knew going into it, there wasn't a great chance that it was going to be successful. So I knew that, um, yeah. it still was difficult, but you set yourself yeah. up for, yeah. for whatever was going to happen. Well, and I and, also knew like that I was going to have a 12 month old and it wasn't yeah. super realistic for me yeah. to just have these crazy expectations. That's so very, that's very understandable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you to kind of close up. Um, with your experience with Wyatt having postpartum depression, what did you do differently with Callan? I know COVID kind of hit, so that impacted a lot, but were you hyper aware of the postpartum depression and really, really nervous about it happening with Callan and like, kind of what did you do or were you I guess just walk, walk me kind of through those thoughts. Yeah. So I maintained a relationship with my therapist throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, I was seeing her like once every two to four weeks. Um, and so that was one thing that I did. I had her support. And then we ramped up the meetings before I delivered. And then we also had plans in place even like before I delivered for after I delivered right. to just do check-ins. Um, yeah. so I think I got on a 
because of COVID, I couldn't go and actually physically see her. I got on a meeting with her, like a telehealth meeting, um, like seven to 10 days after Callan was born. And I could have had it sooner than that. She kind of just left it open and was like, if you need to see me sooner than that, just let me know. But I thought, okay. Um, So there was that. I had daycare situated for Wyatt. He was going to start at the school that your son, Walter, actually goes to. So he was going to start there when he turned um, a year-ish. So I had that situated also he was going to go there monday wednesday friday um covid totally turned that for a loop um but anyways i had that set up and then um besides that i think i just like had more support around me um i knew that i would ben and i moved over the last year we actually moved about five minutes away from my mom and five minutes away from my brother and sister-in-law so i knew that i was going to have help close by and i knew that i was going to need help um with Wyatt I was really controlling I didn't really want a lot of people around like my mom was allowed to be around but like I didn't really want anybody else around helping me um you know it's just another control thing and part of my personality that I just couldn't let the reins go and I tried to like just leave that a little bit and say okay be open to help it might not be like come over and hold my baby but like be open to meals and like you know, doing some laundry or whatever. So those are like the three kind of big things that I did. Um, and then COVID happened and COVID just it totally blew up everything (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, like we, Wyatt wasn't able to go to daycare. So he actually didn't start back at daycare until like mid June. So I was, um, more than halfway through my, my postpartum maternity leave when he was finally able to go back to daycare. Um, Oh, and the other thing, Ben took off more time of work. So with Wyatt, he actually only took off about like four or five days and then went back to work. But with Callan, he took off three full weeks of work. And then he actually did two weeks of part-time work, um, which I'm just so blessed and grateful that his company was able to do that. And he had the time saved up to do that because that was a big help because we also didn't have, um, we didn't let anybody over at the house for the first month. Um, the only, yeah. yeah, like the only exception to that was when I got mastitis, we actually let dad, Ben's dad come over to help, yeah. um, because he had kind of been quarantined and like I, Ben needed help. So to. yeah, we had to. Yeah. So for the first month, nobody was allowed over. Um, my parents would come over and we would just go outside and they would see the baby from a distance. Um, but yeah, that was really hard too. And I was very, very, very hyper aware of my history of PPD and that I was going to be at higher risk for it the second time around because of my history. Um, And it's something that Ben and I had talked about a lot. And he was very protective over my mental health, um, just like I was. But he, you know, he was super anxious about COVID and I was too. But I also recognized, like, I'm not going to let my mental health go down the drain just because of COVID. Like, at some point, something's got to give. Um, so we made the agreement for a month, let's wait a month. And then, yeah, exactly on May 28th, when Callan turned one month old, I let my parents come over and then his mom came over. Um, and like, we still didn't allow like, just like anybody to come over, but our immediate family was allowed over and that helped a lot. Like that helped with my mental health a lot. And then not, you know, not breastfeeding helped a lot, not needing to get up and pump was huge. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, I like to sleep. Um, I'm like not a, you know, six hour a night girl. I'm like an eight to 10 hour a night girl. Um, sleep is your love language. Yeah, it is really. (laughs) 
I like love naps and love to sleep. It's just like my favorite thing. Um, so that helped a lot because like Ben and I alternated feedings in the middle of the night. So I was actually able to sleep and like able to get, you know, some naps in during the day. So yeah, overall, like my postpartum experience was so different. And I attributed a lot to the fact that I put support things and like put some things in place to make sure that it was okay. And I still had some anxiety. I mean, I don't know what new mom or what, you know, mom that's like has their second baby, like there's anxiety that comes along with that, you know, having to take care of both of the kids at once was like a lot. Um, But it settled down pretty quickly um, by like the time Callan was probably two and a half months old. He was sleeping really great at night. He was a great napper. He's like such a chill baby. He looks just like me too, which is like just so funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, like of course he like, of course he looks just like me too. I mean, after all the things that we went through, I just feel like he's like my little buddy and like he's, he's so gonna be a mama's boy. And I just I felt from the beginning that he is just gonna be like my little baby. Um, yeah. my oldest son is like super independent and like just kind of does his own thing and like you know, loves his mama, but like loves his data too, you know? And I just feel like Callan just like completely loves me so much. And I think he's going to be like glued to my side for my whole entire life, um, which is like so perfect and fitting. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And you know, now we're here six months out and like life is really, really great. Um, I don't think that we'll have any more kids and I think that's completely okay unless something crazy happens. Um, You know, we're in this like really, really good spot and they're getting older and like interacting more um, and life is so good. And yeah, I did not have postpartum depression the second time around, Um, did not have really any anxiety issues outside of what's kind of normal and to be expected. Um, So yeah, I mean, his birth really truly was very, very healing for me and was a pretty incredible day. And I still to this day, like I... I hate to say like I fantasize his day, but like I, I do like his birthday is, will forever be this amazing thing. And, you know, we talk about like 2020 and like how, oh, you're going to look back on 2020 and think of COVID and like how hard things were. And mm -mm, like, that's not how I'm going to ever look back on this year. I, I see one thing when I look back on this year, I see him, like I see my sweet little baby boy, um, who threw me for a loop and a huge surprise, but also completely saved my life. Like I, I really truly believe that he saved my life. Um, and I, I'm never, ever, ever going to be able to forget this past year and like what we went through. Well, that is a great way to end things. I feel like I'm about to start crying. I know. It's <laughs> I don't even emotional. know what I'm going to name. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to name this episode because you've talked about so many, so many things and like, gosh, Tiffany. Yeah. I mean, oh, any, yeah. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you was any, probably the most tight, like the, the person who's going to be listening to this episode is probably a first time mom who's thinking about going natural, not quite sure. So maybe any last words of advice for a first time mom now go now being a first time mom and having all the issues that you had and and then being a second time mom and going natural, any advice for those moms? Yeah. So 
I still to this day think education is so, so important. So do all the reading you can watch birth videos, listen to birth stories like mine, um, (laughs) talk to your friends and what they did. So education is key, not just with your birth, but also with delivery and also with postpartum and breastfeeding, like really, really try and gather it all in. Yeah. It's all, (laughs) it's all really, really important. One thing's not more important than the other. Um, I hate, I don't want to say set your expectations low. Instead, I would say remain open-minded. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give like expecting moms. Remain open-minded. It doesn't mean that you can't have expectations. It doesn't mean that you can't like want to breastfeed for a year, but just know that like a lot of stuff happens as a mom that is completely out of your control. That's not your fault. Like- There's just a lot of things that can happen. Um, and and also just recognize that like with being a mom comes change. I mean, constant changing. And even in like like right when you think something is settling, it changes again. And I think just remaining open-minded, carry that through for as long as your kids are, you know, in your alive. household and alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like mine aren't even that big, but I still constantly remind myself that things are changing. Like, I mean, you, you just, you have, it's just, that's just life. I mean, I have a three and a half year old now and a three month old and I, yeah, you still, yeah, still like, yeah. And like they're little humans and like they have their own minds and do their own things. And like, it's, it's really helped me pull myself back in and not be as like, kind of compulsive and controlling and stuff. And, and then, yeah, I think finally, if you're interested in, if, even if there's like a little tiny bit of you that's interested or curious about an, a non-epidural birth, Mm -hmm. totally explore it. It doesn't mean you have to do it, um, but explore it and like, flex that muscle. (laughs) Yeah. Like think about and talk to people and, and like, you can totally do it. Even with an induction, you can do it. Like even if, you know, you are 37 weeks and something didn't go planned and you find yourself at the hospital and needing to have a baby. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that can happen and just know that you can do it. And either way, no matter what happens, you're still the best mama out there for your baby. Um, You know, I firmly believe that, you know, how you deliver your baby doesn't define you. Um, And yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, that's a wrap. Well, thank you, Tiffany, so much for coming on the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast. Um, I don't know. I feel like we should have... Do you feel like you're going to feel any different on his birthday or something like at a year mark? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm glad but, that I was able to do this. This was actually yeah. something that my therapist recommended is to, oh, really? to come on. Yeah. She, I'm going to send her this episode she, so she yes. can listen to it. But yeah, she thought that it would be yet another therapeutic thing for me to come on. I mean, I feel uh, like it has been. Yeah. Like knowing that I work now. for you and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Like she thought that this would be really cool and I'm I'm glad that I'm going to have this kind of to listen to yeah. um, and always go back to. Yeah. And to send people and to. Yeah. yeah. No, and absolutely. like, I'm like, at what point will I let Callan listen to this for the first time? Because I don't, oh. there's some tough things that I talk about too. No. In it. Um, 
but yeah, like I, I'm excited that he gets to listen to this one day and that I get to tell him this story because it's really for both of my boys, it's really a powerful story. I mean, it's never how I expected it to be, but looking back and seeing where I'm at now, I think it's really a valuable story um, that I, I really truly hope hits home for a lot of women or that a lot of women out there connect with some element of it. There's a lot of different varying elements to my story. And I hope that somebody can connect to at least a little tiny piece of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Well, thanks, Tiffany, for coming on. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee, so if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up, and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code PODCASTLISTENER. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.